0: Can we welcome everyone today? Thanks for joining in. If this is your first time tuning in, watching, at one of our campuses or online. My name is Danny, and I'm the lead pastor here at Emanuel. And we are actually wrapping up a series today. We're closing it out called Internal Enemies. Now, there are other internal enemies that uh, we could have talked about. This, In fact, this could have been like a 26-week series, but... I didn't think you wanted to continue to hear about internal enemies for another 26 weeks so or whatever. So maybe you do. You want me to keep going? I mean, there are more. Things like pride and, you know, selfishness. I figured we'd move on to something else. But today we are going to wrap it up. And we're going to wrap it up with a bang, seriously. Like if this is your first time tuning in, wow, you have picked a heck of a weekend to come. Because we are going to dive into some real-life stuff today that is just going to be tough to hear, and it's going to be tough to talk about, but it's something we got to deal with in our life, and that's called lust, this thing called lust, internal enemy number six. Today, we're going to deal with this issue of lust. Now there's all different types of lust. You can lust after cars, you can lust after, you know, money, you can lust after material possessions, bigger homes, stuff like that, power. And that's certainly true. The word lust by itself simply means strong desire. But today we're going to talk about specifically. We're going to talk about sexual lust because it is an epidemic today. It has reached biblical proportions, if we can say that. Um, today uh, there, there, was, there was recently one website uh, came out. One pornographic website came out. They publish their stats every year. They do a year-end report. You know, they want to be helpful to the community. I guess. This one porn site uh, basically said that in 2018, they had 33.5 billion visits. Now, there's only 7 billion people on the planet. So that's four visits per human being. This one pornographic website, it's the big one. 33.5 billion, it's 92 million a day. On this one website, there are 207,000 videos being viewed every minute. Of every day. That's fascinating to me. Anybody else? Like lust has become, the fulfillment of lust has become, has reached epidemic, it's, an, it's at an epidemic level, if I can say it that way. It's probably not the right way to say it. Today in our culture, um, pornography is a bigger industry than ABC, NBC, NBC and CBS put together. They take in more money than the NFL, and the NBA. It's massive. It's a huge deal in our culture today. Eight out of ten young men between the ages of 18 and 30 visit porn sites every month. Eighty percent. And, and it's not just a guy thing. One-third of all porn porn users are female now. One-third. One-third of all the internet traffic is pornographic. One-third. It's absolutely incredible. Um, today in our world, human sex trafficking, prostitution is a $180 billion industry. It's people paying for sex. It's like uh, John Eldridge in his book, which is a, it's a fantastic book, All Things New. If you're a John Eldridge fan, he wrote Wild at Heart many years ago. He said this, truly an intoxicated sexual madness has come over the earth think that's true. Do you think that's true? One out of every four girls is sexually molested before they reach adulthood. One out of every six boys. Every 73 seconds in this country someone is sexually assaulted. You think we need to talk about lust? Yes or no? Yeah, this is a huge deal. What is lust? What is sexual lust? We got to talk about a definition. Sexual lust is self-focused, it's all about me, Self-focused sexual desire that reduces a person to an object. Now, this is why pornogra- pornography is wrong. I know that some of you are like, well, what's the big deal? We use it to spice up our marriage, this and that. You know, it's not, as long as you're not, like, like doing anything to anybody, isn't, isn't it okay? No, 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 it's not okay because pornography, the whole point of it is to reduce a person to an object that you will use to satisfy your own sexual desires. Make sense? Yes? That's Lust. So pornography is used to satisfy self-focused sexual desires that reduces a person to a sandwich. Lust is no different from when you and I get hungry. I'm hungry, we open the fridge, what is there? Well, I'm going to go make a sandwich. We don't love food. We say we do, especially like (laughs) Chick-fil-A sandwiches. We say, man, it's like God's chicken, right? Like he and... But we don't love Chick-fil-A, we consume Chick-fil-A. We don't love chocolate cake, we consume chocolate cake. See, that's, that's what lust is. Love is something different. Love is about giving, love is about serving, lust is about taking, is, lust is about satisfying myself. We don't care about this thing, we wanna eat this thing, right? That's what pornography is. We don't care about those people, we wanna consume. You with me, yes or no? I know this is tough stuff. Lust reduces people to a sandwich. And people are not sandwiches. Write that in your notes. Like, it's not on the screen, but you know, they're not, people are not sandwiches. Women are not sandwiches. Men are not, they're not sandwiches. So we've got to figure this out. And the reason we've got to figure this out is because lust destroys. It tears families apart. It tears character apart. It tears reputations apart. It tears marriages apart. I mean, you've heard the story, right? Dad, mom, raising three kids, he's got a good job, everything's going well, it looks great on the outside, but he can't keep his eyes off of his secretary. And because he can't keep his eyes off his secretary, he can't keep his hands off his secretary. So he commits adultery with her. And for a while it goes unnoticed, he covers it up, but then it gets found out. Mom says, we can't play like that, divorce, family splits up. You heard the story, right? Have you, ha, who has not heard this story? And then the family divides. That's lust. That's the the consequences of lust. I'm not even talking about sexually transmitted diseases, but that's a whole other thing. By the way, it's on the rise again because millennials are not controlling their lust. It was on the decline, but now sexual transmitted diseases are going up. Uncontrolled lust destroys our lives. It, It actually kills. Every year in our country, we have, right now it's amazing, a million abortions. It's been like a couple of years ago, it was like 700,000, 600,000, 500,000. It's just rising because people are hooking up, you know, and they're hanging out and they're going out and then they're having sex, casual sex, and oops, we got pregnant. And then it's like, well, I don't want a baby. Do you want a baby? Well, no, I don't want a baby. And so there's like, let's just go abort it. And last time I checked, that's like murder. So over the last 10 years, Americans have killed more babies than Nazi Germany killed Jews. That's staggering. Lust is a big deal. Do you agree? Yes or no? It's destructive. So if it's that type, if it's that destructive, we ought to be able to like open up the Bible and see all kinds of like warnings. Hey, dude, get away from this deal. Don't go near it. And that's exactly what we find all over the book. Let's just look at a few. Here's one father to son. Proverbs chapter 7. This is father to son advice. He's this, this, this dad, Solomon, is talking about this naive young man who's just acting on his sexual lust, his impulses. Watch what he says about this young man in Proverbs 7. Son, this, this man follows her on impulse like an ox going to the what? To the, to the slaughter. A little feedback today would be good because this is a tough topic. <laughs> Like a deer bounding into a trap until an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare. Watch this: Not knowing that it will cost him his, say it with me, his life. Lust destroys. takes you further than you want to go, costs you more than you want to pay, keeps you longer than you want to stay. is the way one preacher said it. It's like playing with fire. We think we can handle it, but we can't. It destroys our lives. In 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul is writing, and, and by the way, in the New Testament, most of the letters that Paul wrote are letters written to specific churches that had specific problems, like our church has problems. Listen to what he says to this church in Thessalonica, to a group of Christians who, who were allowing their lust to get out of control. Listen to what he says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It is God's will. Now, that's an interesting phrase because there's not many times in the Bible do we see this phrase right here, there's like two other times. Where it just blatantly says, hey, pay attention, this is God's will for your life, that you should be sanctified. All that word means is to be set apart, that God would take you out of the world and set him apart for his purposes, set you apart for his purposes. That you should avoid sexual immorality, stay away from it. That each of you should learn to, say it with me, control. And that's what we're <laughs> gonna try to talk about today. We're gonna try to talk about control. How do we control our body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans do who do not know God? See, people who do not know God are not interested in God. They live by the appetites of their body, lust being the strongest one, so they have sex with whoever they want to have sex with. They look at whatever they want to do, click on pornography, they masturbate, they do this, they rape, they hurt... Not like the world who doesn't know God. Stop acting like them. We are are sanctified and set apart. We as Christ followers and believers must learn to control our bodies in a way that is holy and honorable, controlling lust. And the reason we need to do that is because if we don't, it will destroy us. You say, I don't really need to hear this talk. Come on. I mean, I I mess around with porn a little bit, but it's not a big deal. And Do I really need to sit through this? Some of you might want to walk out. I would, I would urge you not to. Here's why. Because godlier people than you have been destroyed by lust. How many of you would say that King David was godlier than you? My hand, both my hands are up. King David wrote most of the Psalms. He was a poet warrior. He was tight with God. He heard the audible voice of God many times in his life. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. And guess what? Lust kicked his butt. 2nd Samuel One day late in the afternoon David got up from his nap and he was walking on his roof of his palace he was the king As he looked we'll get back to this word in a second as he looked out over the city that he was king over he noticed there was a woman of unusual beauty she was taking a bath He sent someone to find her. Now, I want to pause right here in this little space right here. We know what happened in this little space, don't we? It doesn't say, but we know what happened. He looked, he saw, and his lust was kindled. Yes? Wow, look at her. How do we know his lust was kindled? Because he sent someone to find out who she was. Come to find out she's the daughter of Iliam and the wife of Uriah, who was a leader in David's army. That wasn't enough for him to go, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't want her. No, his lust was already fired up. It was already kindled. Just look what he does. Then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. What was she supposed to say? No to the king? Who says no to the king? He abuses his power and he fulfills his lust. Remember what lust is. Lust lust is self-focused sexual desire that reduces a person to a sandwich. And that's exactly what David did. Now, does the story end there? Oh, no. We're just getting started. He thinks it does. He sends her back home. No problem. You know, just another day. And I just, I got hungry, so I ate. Right? Come to find out she's pregnant. Now David's got to figure something out. Remember, this guy is godlier than you and I put together. And lust got the best of him. Right? Well, he's got to come up with plan, uh, plans. So what is, what, what's, what's he going to do? He's got to cover it up. So he calls Uriah off the battlefield. There was a war going on. And he gets him drunk and he says, okay, I'm just going to have you go sleep with your wife. And then you know, everybody will think that the baby is yours and, and, the, and this thing will go away. Only problem was Uriah had more integrity than David. He thought to himself, how can I go home and sleep with my wife and sleep in my own bed? I've got soldiers on the battlefield fighting. I'm not going to go home. So he doesn't go home. And David's got to resort to plan B, which is murder. He tells his lieutenant, Joab, to put Uriah on the front of the lines where the battle is the fiercest. And then when it got really, really hot to draw back and leave him, by there, you know, leave him out there by himself, defenseless. The plan works. Uriah is killed. David takes Bathsheba into his own home. He thinks he's gotten away with it, but he hasn't. Here's what's interesting about lust. And, and those of you who are caught up in pornography and all this stuff and the trap, and, and you know about this because you live with this. Lust always requires more sin. It, it's, it's, you eat the sandwich, you do the thing, you watch it, you, 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 you cheat or whatever it is that you do, and then you gotta, now you've got to cover it. Now you gotta you gotta hide the websites and you gotta put the codes on the phone and you gotta delete stuff and you gotta lie and you gotta manipulate and lust always requires more sin. It never ends with lust. Please don't turn me off. Please don't don't think this isn't for you, because it is for you. Lust always grows when you feed it. It gets worse. It might take 10 years until you really do something silly. But trust me, the more you feed lust, the more. That it grows. story doesn't end there. David thinks he's gotten away with it, but guess who saw everything go down? Who? Our Father, your God, my God, our God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, was watching this whole thing unfold. And so he sends Nathan the prophet to David, and Nathan had some choice words, some of which sound like this. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised the Lord by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. The baby dies. Amnon rapes Amnon. David's son rapes Tamar, David's daughter. Absalom's so angry with Amnon that he murders Amnon. Then Absalom decides he wants to overthrow the kingdom, chases his dad out of town. When the battle is, is the fiercest, Absalom gets killed, death and destruction. And her whole family was torn apart, because one day David decided to take a walk on the roof. And he looked out, and he saw a woman bathing and his lust was kindled. Think about all of the destruction that that one little look, that one little walk costs him. David, a man who's godlier than you and me. We've got to get this thing figured out, yes? So what I'm gonna share with you are five strategies. This is not a sermon, I promise you. These are the five strategies that I use to win the battle against lust. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. I'm not talking about sinlessness. I am talking about sinning less. I am talking about winning. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about getting better. You with me? Five strategies, here's number one. How do we defeat this internal enemy of of lust? You have to watch your eyes. The eyes are a portal into the soul. No doubt Jesus taught that sexual sin resides in the soul. It's an inside, he said, out of the heart comes sexual morality, impurity, all these different things. That's true. And the real problem is in our hearts. But guess what? The eyes, they, it's like a a channel. It's like a highway directly into the soul. And whatever the eyes see stirs up the lust inside, which causes us to take action. David looked. And then he lusted. And then he satisfied that lust with Bathsheba. We've got to watch. This is why pornography is so horrible for us because we're taking it into our eyes, 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 which is going right into our soul, 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 which is stirring up lust, which causes us to take action to satisfy that lust. Jesus said this about the eyes and about lust in Matthew chapter five. But I say, anyone who even, say it with me, looks, this is the key, there's, there's something about the eyes. Whoever looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You can flip this around and talk to the ladies. Whoever looks at a man with lust has already committed adultery with him in her heart. Jesus is talking about how the eyes are wrapped up. The eyes are connected to this whole thing called adultery. We have to stop looking. See, we, we, we Americans, we're terrible at this. Because by golly, this is the land of the free and the home of the brave. And I can watch anything I want on Netflix. And I can watch porn if I want to because I'm an American. You're free to do it. But you will pay the consequences. No one's telling you you can't watch. I'm just telling you you will reap what you sow. There's always a result to what goes into the eyes. It's always affecting your soul and what what you feel and your emotions and then your actions. Job knew this, like Job, if you, know, if you read, the, wrote, read the book of Job, it's kind of a depressing book, but there's some really juicy stuff in there, really good stuff. Job knew this about the soul, he knew this about the eyes, so he simply said, look, here's my deal, I'm just going to make a covenant with my, say with me, my eyes. Like, I'm going to make a deal with my eyeballs, not to, not to look at a member of the opposite sex, a young woman with lust." He understood that the the eyes are a portal into the soul. And if I want to defeat lust, I've I've got to to close my eyes. Now, to be clear, I'm not talking about the first look, right? The first look, you can't help it sometimes. Sometimes it's a billboard. Sometimes it's somebody in the gym that's wearing something they shouldn't be wearing. And you you can't help it because they walk right in front of you. I'm not talking about the first look, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about the, the second look is the, oh. Yes? That's the look with lust, right? That's the one you controlled. The eyes and the soul, and now you're trying to stretch your neck out and see a little bit more. We've got to control our eyes, strategy number one. Strategy number two, you've got to seek the kingdom of God. Look, we all seek something. To seek is to look for something, look for more, you know, authority at work, look for more money, you know, get, you know more success for our children. We're all seeking something more influence, more power. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to seek the kingdom of God above everything else in your life. A promotion, a new car, a new house, you know, a a spouse, you know, a pregnancy. Before you seek anything, I want you to seek the kingdom of God and I want you to live righteously and then guess what? I'll add everything else you need. I'll I'll take care of you. So to seek after something is is to look for it. Everywhere you go. And, and Jesus gave us this prayer to give us a little help. You know, it sounds like this. Our Father who art in heaven, say it with me if you know it. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. That's our prayer. That's a prayer to help us to seek the kingdom every day. We're supposed to say it every day. Today, God, I'm going to seek the kingdom. I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done on earth. You know what that prayer does? That prayer sets us up to join God in what he is doing. And that is what the kingdom of God is. What is the kingdom of God? It's the place where God is doing things. It's the activity of God. Our job is to join God in his activity. Let me tell you something. If you're joining God in his activity, will you ever end up on a website, a porn website? No, you won't, because that's not what God's doing. It's like you and God cannot jump on a porn site together. <laughs> Listen, I don't mean to be crude, but you and God will never end up masturbating together. <gasps> Did he say that? I, that's why I said this is PG-13, this, this sermon, because you have to understand, this is, you've got to think about it this way. You and God will never end up in bed with someone who's not your spouse. It ain't going to happen if you're seeking the kingdom. You see how this helps you to live above lust? You and God will not be entering into the cesspool of lust if you are seeking the kingdom. He's going to take you in a totally different direction. Number one, you've got to watch your eyes. Number two, you've got to seek the kingdom. I love the way Dallas Willard said it. If we're not living in the great drama of the goodness of God's kingdom, all the things that God is doing in the world, sensuality through the body is all that we have left under our kingdom. I actually disagree with this. Sensuality is one of the few options that people have. There's also the pursuit of power. There's also the pursuit of pleasure through drugs and alcohol. If somebody can't have an orgasm, they'll get high on meth. Doesn't matter. If they can't have an orgasm or look at porn, they'll go get some heroin. Like, that's what we have. Like, those are the most exciting things out there if we're not gonna live in the drama called the kingdom of God. We're gonna get something. We're gonna feel something. We need to feel something. You ask me, yes or no? We gotta seek the kingdom. Number three, these, again, these are my strategies. You don't have to take them. I'm just passing along what works for me. Number three, you gotta fill your mind with truth. And I'm talking about fill it, cram it, jam it. I'm not talking about reading your Bible in the morning for 10 minutes. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about every moment of every day, thinking about what the Bible says, thinking about the truth of God's word. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, 33.5 billion, 33. billion people checking out porn sites, 92 million a day, 207,000 videos a minute. Don't, don't, don't fall into the cess, don't, don't follow the world, that's what they're up to, but let God transform you or change you by what? By changing the way you say it with me, you think. See, you, see, when it comes to lust, if you want to beat lust, and I do, I do so want to beat it. I have to think differently about it. I cannot see people as a sandwich. I cannot see the opposite sex as a sandwich. And some of you struggle with same-sex attraction. You cannot see the same sex as a sandwich. Can't do it you got to think differently about people. People are not objects to be taken for your gratification and satisfaction. What would happen if you thought differently about people? What if you saw every woman as a mother, every woman your age as a sister, every younger woman as, as a daughter? Ladies, what if you saw every older man as a father? Every man your age as a brother and every man younger than you as a son. Well, that would change the game. What if you viewed them? What if you thought about them that way? They wouldn't be sexual objects, would they? I mean, who lusts after their sister? I mean, if you lust after your sister, we have to talk after the service. We've got deeper issues. But most of us don't have a problem sexually desiring our mother's our sisters, and our daughters. Yes? That's exactly what Paul told Timothy to do. Listen. Treat, Timothy, young guy, sex drive is high, young man, you know, it is prime. Timothy, here's what I want you to do. Treat older women as you would your, say it with me, your mother. Treat the younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Well, that changes everything. I remember as a youth pastor, I was about 23 years old, and I had 17-year-olds coming into the youth group, and, and uh, sometimes they were, you know, wearing stuff that, you know, this immodest, you know, showing their boobs and stuff, and their butts, butts and boobs. Everyone wants to show their butts and boobs. Um, and when, when they would do that, I'd ha- I have, have to, you know, think differently about it. Like, I'm, like, pretty close to them in age, so it's like, wait a second, this is, this is getting weird. And I had to choose to look at them as my daughter. I didn't have a daughter at the time, but I had to look at them as my daughters. And you know what ended up happening when I looked at these girls as my daughters? They weren't sex objects. They weren't attractive. Of course they were attractive, but they weren't attractive in that sense. I became angry. Instead of drawn sexually, I was like upset with them. Like, I had some compassion too. But sometimes it would be so bad that I would, I would say, a girl would walk into the youth group and I'm their high school pastor and say, hey, come on over here. Come into my office. Put this extra large T-shirt on. Like go down to their, you know, oh, Pastor Danny, why do I have to, why do I have to put that shirt on? I can see your boobs. That's why. Like right here. <laughs> and then you're going to walk into the youth group where there's other 17-year-old boys who are in heat. And you expect them to pay attention to my sermon? Are you crazy? Put the shirt on. You know, and then they put it on. Why did I, why did I do that? Because I looked at them as my daughter. I was upset. I was mad. I was frustrated. You know, we had to do the same thing with the guys. The guys would like to take their shirts off, you know. Come on, guys, help the girls out. Put your shirts on, you know we got to think differently about the opposite sex or sex in general or lust in general if we want to fix this deal. Let me give you this next one. You've got to be radical, number four. You've got to take drastic measures if you have to. Drastic measures. Listen to what Jesus said. This is so interesting. It's one of the most confusing things that Jesus actually said. Right after he said, if you look with a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Next thing he says is very interesting. Watch this. And if your hand, even your strong hand, how many of you are righties? Most of us are righties. How many of you are lefties? So he's talking, for those of you who are righties, he's talking about your right hand, your strong hand. If you're a lefty, he's talking about your left hand. Now, how important is your right hand? If you're a righty, you write with it, you throw curveballs with it, you fix tires, you know, you fix peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with it. I mean, it's pretty important, right? He says, if your strong hand is causing you to sin, isn't it interesting how he chooses the hand? He's talking about sex. Let you think about that. If you if you can't control your hands, cut it off. I mean, I want you to get down. I want you to saw that baby off, and I want you to throw it away. Then he says this. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Eternal separation from God. What the heck is he talking about? Is he saying that if I struggle with lust, I'm going to hell? Oof. Is he saying that I should chop my hand off if I struggle with lust? Like, What is he talking about? We cannot take him literally here. If we took him literally here, we would none of us would have any hands. We, you know, we'd just, <laughs> chop off one hand, we start using the other hand. You know, just now we'd have no hands, right? No, he's not talking about chopping off hands, and he's not talking about going to hell. Here's what he's saying: He's saying if it were necessary for you to lose your hand instead of losing your soul, you ought to be willing to do it to conquer this thing called lust. Are you willing? to get radical. Listen, I've talked with many people who, to overcome lust, and you can't really, if you have a real problem with lust or pornography or whatever, and you're not willing to get radical, you're going to struggle for a very long time. I was texting a buddy of mine last night. I was like, hey, can you tell me a couple of things that you did? Remember we, we battled through lust there for, for some time, and you got victory over it. He said, man, you don't remember? I gave away my laptop. He gave, he gave away his laptop. Because that was the source, that's how he was viewing porn. Unplugged it, gave it away. That's radical. That's chopping off your right hand. That's doing whatever it takes. So for some of you, it might be leaving a job. Leaving my job, Yeah, you can't stop lusting after your coworker. Yeah, but it's a paycheck, it's insurance, no, it's security, Really? So you're going to play that game? Like that's not. Jesus would say, you've got to do whatever it takes to win this battle. Because it will destroy your life. For some of you, it means you've got to get rid of your iPhone. Because this is the source of porn and lust in your life. And you know it. You need to go back to good old Mr. Flip phone. (laughs) Right here. Right here. You need to go flip. So I can't go back to the flip phone. That would be embarrassing. Okay. Look, this is just my stuff. This is just what Jesus said. You don't have to do it. But you ought to be willing to say and be honest with yourself, I don't deserve one of these because I can't stop looking at porn on it. Be honest with yourself and say, I need a flip phone. Where can I get one of those? Danny, can I have that after the service? Yes, you can. (laughs) We'll order a whole bunch of them as a church. We'll just have them in the lobby. The flip phone church. At least we'll be free from porn. <laughs> we get real practical here at church, so <laughs> we get down to business. We need to get radical and do whatever it takes. Let me give you this last one. Ready? It's easy. You can do it with me run hey can you say that with me all of our campuses run I mean this is like one of the easiest strategies out there just get out of there don't try to fight it don't try to beat it just run just get out of there listen to what Paul said 1 Corinthians chapter 6 run from sexual sin get out of there No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against one's own body. Like it's sexual sin and lust is a unique sin. It tears us apart psychologically, emotionally, physically. No other sin does that. Sure, there are other harmful sins out there for sure. But this one, this one gets into the soul. And you just talk to people who have been loose with their sexuality over a decade or up, and they've had multiple, multiple lovers, and now they're just inside out. They're just turned all around. They're insecure. they got anxiety. I told my team this last night. I can't prove this. I can't prove this, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to share it with you. I could be wrong. But the use of pornography and lust in our world today has, has skyrocketed to epic proportions. Human prostitution, slavery. It's like this psychotic thing that's taken over the planet. Guess what else has gone up like that at the same time? Anxiety. You look at the numbers. I can't prove it, nobody has put the studies together. But when your sexuality is crazy and you're satisfying your lust in all different types of ways, they're outside of God's boundaries, guess what goes up with it? Oh, do I have a disease? Do I have this? Like, is she going to find out? Is he going to see? Cover up. And we're comparing ourselves. You just talk to a woman that's been cheated on. Just talk to her. But the anxiety she feels, why did, he, why did he feel the need to go out on me? Am I not good enough? Am I not pretty enough? Destroys her. Vice versa. You just talk to a man who's been cheated on. What was wrong with me? And like, no other sin like it. That's why God says, Run. There's a way to do sexuality, and it's beautiful, and it's safe and secure, and it's inside the context of marriage between a man and a woman. Stay there, stay there, stay there, stay there. Don't leave, but run from everything else. Get away from it. We got to do what Joseph did. Remember Joseph? Potiphar's wife's coming at Joseph. Come on, sleep with me, sleep with me, sleep with me. Nobody will find out. Joseph was in charge of Potiphar's house. Certainly he could have found a little private room where they could have got it on, and nobody would have found out. Goodness, Goodness sakes, he was 30 years old or so. He was a healthy young man. His sex drive was very high. He could have gotten away with it. Instead, he said, how can I do this thing and sin against God? Watch what he did. Genesis 39. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, let's sleep together, let's sleep together. She did it day after day. This particular instance, watch what Joseph does. Joseph tore himself away, but he ran. He left his cloak in her hand as he ran from her. Sometimes we just gotta run. We gotta get out of there. We gotta move. We gotta get out of that environment. We gotta leave the office. We gotta leave the leave that conversation. We gotta, we gotta leave the leave this. There's the webs, the web session we're on. We gotta we gotta we gotta get out. We gotta run from this deal. So those are five strategies that I use in my life. There are other things that I do. I'm just passing those on to you. And and here's why I'm so passionate about this. Ultimately, you want to know what the reason is? Ultimately, I want to be used by God. I don't know if that's your motivation or not. I can't make that your motivation. But ultimately, I don't want to do something in my life and disqualify myself from being a blessing to you. Or to anybody else God wants to use me to bless. In fact, that's the very motivation that Paul gave Timothy. Listen to what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, Timothy, come on. If you keep yourself pure, if you live above lust, you will be a special utensil, an instrument, a tool for honorable use to do things that God is doing in the world. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master, Jesus, to use you for every, say it with me, good work. Oh. You over there, Stephen, Jill, John, we got one. Come on over here, they're, they're winning the battle of lust. Let's use them for honorable use. Let's get them involved in a good work. Let's partner up. I, I, I don't want God to say, oh, we can't use Danny. He gave in to lust. He cheated on Jackie. He disqualified himself. No more campuses, no more blessings. We gotta put them aside. Let me ask you a question. Joseph became number two in Egypt underneath Pharaoh. Do you know the story? Yes or no? You know the story? Joseph, after this whole debacle, go to prison, all this stuff, becomes number two in Egypt. Do you think he would have ever made it there if he had given in to lust with Potiphar's wife? Yes or no? I don't think he would have made it. I don't think he would have reached his potential. I don't think he would have stepped into the good work that God planned for him ahead of time. And I, I, want, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I want, I want all of us to do exactly what God had in mind when He created us. I don't want this thing called lust to take us out of the game. So here's my closing question. What would you like your legacy to be? What will they say about you? Look, we're going to get old. Some of us are already there. The grandkids are going to talk. The nieces, and nep- the nieces and nephews are going to talk. And I've heard this story far too many times. And here's the story, here's how it goes. Yeah, grandpa had a thing for the ladies. Yeah, grandma stepped out on grandpa. Yeah, dad had a private porn addiction that mom found out about, blew everything up. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that story. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that legacy. I don't want that to be mine, do you want it to be yours? I want the grandkids to get together and, they, and say, Grandpa only had eyes for grandma. Dad stayed faithful to mom. And I want all the benefits that come along with that love and that commitment and that unity. Now, as we wrap up, I wanna tell you, there's grace, there's mercy, there's patience. God gives us chance after chance, after chance, after chance. So if you have messed up in this area in your life, do not give up, make today a brand new start. Grab one of these strategies, grab two of the strategies I just gave you and say, no more, no more porn, no more masturbation, no more, no more, I'm done, I'm I'm walking forward, I'm gonna get radical, I'm gonna seek the kingdom, I'm gonna run and start over and create a different legacy for yourself. That's how God works. Isn't it awesome? Anybody else glad for the grace of God, the mercy of God and the second chances? So Christ came to this earth to die for sinners. He didn't come to this earth to die for people who got it all together. Maybe today you put your faith in him. Maybe today you put your trust in him. You say, man, I've messed up. I'm so involved in sexual sin. There's no way God would. Look, he died for those very sins. He paid the penalty for those very sins so that you can be in a relationship with him so that you could live with him. Would you trust him today? He died on a cross for you. He paid the penalty. I'm gonna say a simple prayer of faith. It's a prayer that you're saying, God, I love you. I trust you. I'm a, Please forgive me of my sins. I wanna be your child. If you would like to do that right now, just take these words and make them your own and become a child of God. Would you pray? Say, dear Jesus, thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. I believe you died on the cross for my sin to forgive me, wash me, give me a brand new start, a brand new life. So I ask you to be my savior right now. And Put my trust in you. From this day forward, help me to defeat the internal enemies of anger and insecurity, envy, lust by your strength, by the power of your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. Can we give God glory, guys? Amen. Amen. If you trusted Christ, whatever campus you're at, we would love to put a new believer's Bible in your hand. Even if you trusted Christ online, there's a place that you can check there. Please grab these if you put your faith in Christ today. We are changed into brand new people by changing the way that we think by getting God's word into our heart.